Okay, we, we were just saying that, that uh, unfortunately, most that aren't taught properly about what atonement is have fallen under the lie and false teaching of that there is healing, physical healing in terms of sicknesses and disease, which is equal to our salvation. In other words, what is taught in Isaiah 53, uh, 4 and 5, what is taught there is that you, you are born again, and Christ paid for your sins, crucified the old nature, obviously, paid for your sins, but also paid for and did away with all your, your sicknesses and diseases. We know that, based upon the scriptures, and we'll see it very clearly this morning, that is absolutely false, evil teaching. Very false and, and very evil. The reason for this is, is that even, and, and <clears throat> again, none of us are above learning. I am not above learning. I continually will learn and grow in these specific truths. I will continually learn and grow in them with, with all of you. But most that teach this teaching, false teaching of healing, physical healing, of diseases and sicknesses in the atonement, don't understand atonement whatsoever. They don't understand it. Now, just very basically, atonement had to do with two individuals, God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. And in every single place, in the Hebrew and in the Koine Greek, it is brought out clearly it was sin. Sins. Never sicknesses and diseases. Not one single time. We will get into that very precisely about, about atonement and what that means. We'll get into it in detail, right down to even what the atonement money in every single detail in the Bible, what it means in a very specific way. Because for us to deal with the enemy, now remember in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 14, Satan is an angel of light. He also has his ministers in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 15. Now, can I be a born-again believer, ignorant of truth, ignorant, present bad truth, and still be a believer, yet still be a minister in that sense of Satan? Can I be? Absolutely. Because I believe a lie. Satan, in John 8, verse 44, is the father of all lies. Now, we need to have a single eye. Single eye means to understand scriptures precisely. And that's what makes a pastor teacher. He has, he, he has been given the supernatural skill given by pure grace over a process of years in study, hours and years of study, to understand these particular truths, to understand them. That's why it says in Ephesians 4.11, he gave some pastors and teachers, some, along with the most important evangelist who will win believers to Christ and instantly bring them to a proper local assembly to be taught. That's what an effective, an effective evangelist truly is. <clears throat> and hopefully, if they, they can't find a local assembly, he has enough truth in and of himself from a local assembly teaching that he can teach those. But again, that's what makes it so very, very important because Jesus said again, in Matthew 6 and verse 22, if your eye be single, knowing the singularity of the truth, 
the simplicity of it in 2 Corinthians 11.3, that we can be so removed from, from the subtlety of the enemy. But Jesus said, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with what? Light. Now, when he was saying that, we need to know that in Psalm 36 and verse 9, it says, with you, O God, is the fountain of life. And in your light, we will see light. Is this satanic light? In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 14. Does he, still to this very day, does he to this very day, after his fall in Ezekiel 20, 28 and verse 15 down through the end of the chapter, to this day, does he, his desire is to be like the Most High in Isaiah 14, 9 through 17? Is his desire to be like the Most High, 14, 12, and 13 of Isaiah? Yes. But Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 22, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. Okay? But if your eye be evil... And can Christians be affected by evil teaching, perception, understanding, knowledge? Yes. But if your eye be evil, your whole body will be filled with darkness. It'll affect you in every area. And if the darkness, if if the light that be in you be darkness, what was he saying? Is Satan truly an angel of light? Blinds you with evil. It's a blinding evil darkness. It is blinding to make us hard, hardened to specific truths that are true about who Christ is and who he is in us and what he's done in and for us. First of all, to his Father in propitiation and for us as a substitute, thereby us being reconciled. And atonement does go into that. But first and foremost, atonement has to do between the Father and the Son and the only place that the only thing that was dealt there and the only place that we had in it was all of our sins were put on him. Spiritual sins, sins. That's why many that teach this, the, the healing and the atonement, physical disease, will tell you that as a believer, because, because, you're, because you're living in sin, that's why you have sickness. Now, that could be the result of that, but does God use it? Did he use it in Job's life, we said recently? Yes, he did. Many times that's a form of, of loving chastisement, first step of grace. There is no question about it. No question about it. So we need to understand atonement. Atonement had to do, has to do between God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. Furthermore, in Exodus 12, 1 to 13, he states it clearly. When I see the blood... When I see it, it's left up to him, his understanding, not our own. When I see the blood, I will pass over. It had to do with sin. All the sacrifices had to do with sins. Look at the mercy seat in Exodus 25, 17 to 22. Look at all the sacrifices in Leviticus. They all had to do with sin. Now, sin... People living in sin did have disease, yes, but God paid for sins clearly. We will see that clearly in the scriptures this morning so that we don't walk in darkness. And so again, again, Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 22, if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. 
But if your eye be evil, your whole body will be filled with darkness. And if the, and if the light that be in you be darkness, how great, how great in its deception and evil is that darkness? How great is it? And we see it today. I've seen more over, over going on 47 years of my Christian walk. I have seen so much, so many believers suffer because of this bad teaching, along with other wicked, evil, bad teaching. Suffer. Suffer. Is anything the enemy likes to do more than anything is if he can't stop believers from going to heaven to be with Christ, and he can't. 1 John 5, 18, the wicked one touches us not. That's our position based upon us being in Christ with all of our sins dealt with. Atonement. Nothing more that he likes to do than to ruin their experience. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Destroy an intimate, fulfilled, beautiful walk with Christ based upon a brand new nature and a brand new image. Ultimately, we will have incredible physical bodies. Brand new. Brand new. We see that in John the 20th chapter. You can see it down and through there. You can see it in... in Luke, the 24th chapter, when Jesus was speaking to the two on the road to Emmaus. You can see it all through the scriptures. We will have these brand new bodies of Philippians 3, 20 and 21. We will absolutely have them, but not until we go to see him. Now, we said the other day, this is what it says in Isaiah 53 in verse 1. Who has believed our report? Report here is our message, our teaching. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he, Christ, will grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a very dry ground. See, Israel was a very dry ground. Nothing being reproduced. Nothing. Hosea 4, 6 said that my people are, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Do you hear that? So you take Hosea 4, 6. And the enemy is no different than today to seek to kill, steal, and destroy in John 10, 10a. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, in that particular case, it was that they knew the truth and refused it. There are others that are ignorant, especially young people and a lot of old people too, unfortunately, fall prey to this nonsense and end up being destroyed, then teaching it and destroying others. In their walk. What? To destroy. You think of everything that Christ did, everything that he went through, everything he accomplished in his deep love to his Father and for us, how the enemy doesn't want that to be in a believer's experience. It was a dry ground. He came unto his own in John 1.11. His own rejected him. He has no form of comeliness. We made it very clear in the scriptures. Jesus was not a good-looking man. Okay? And we, we said uh, recently in Numbers of the fourth chapter about the tabernacle fulfilling the reality of John 1 and verse 14 with this in Isaiah 53 and verse 2, there was no beauty in him. You can look at those scriptures there and you see it. The tabernacle had badger skins on the outside, nothing really glorious, nothing at all that would attract you to it. But inside was beautiful. And that brought out Christ, the antitype, fulfilling that type in Numbers, the fourth chapter in John 1 and verse 14. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten one of the Father, filled up with all that grace and truth is. 
So he was not good looking. He had no form of comeliness. And when we will see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. By the way, who is God the Holy Spirit speaking to? What people group at this particular point here in isagogical relationships and truth, who was he speaking to? The nation of Israel, Jews. And it was fulfilled. It was fulfilled. When they saw him, was there any beauty that they valued him? No. They said, not this man, in John 18, verse 40, not this man, just like the young ones. In (coughs) in 2 Samuel, (coughs) excuse me, I'm coughing badly again. Didn't think I would so much. But again, here it is again, and I'll read it to you here. 1 Samuel. When they rejected Samuel, because they said this, and by the way, I, there's another thing that, you know, that young people are supposed to take over for old people in teaching. I, and the only reason I say that, the only reason I say that is that was brought out to me, what was said from one um, man of God to another, that the, man, the older man of God was no longer preached because, you know, it was younger people and they would be more, other people would be more attracted to them. Well, here's the scriptures, right here, to do away with that kind of nonsense. It came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Now the name of the firstborn was Joel, and the name of the second was Abiah, and they were judges in Beersheba, and his sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre. They were interested in money and capitalism and all that. Lucre. In the world, by the way. The world draws you into the love of money. Okay, it's, it's not the love of money that's the root of all evil. It's the affectionate love that people put attached to it in 1 Timothy 6, 9, and 10. Many pierce themselves through because of it. His sons walked not in his ways, but turned aside after lucre, took bribes, and perverted judgment. Then all the elders of Israel gathered themselves together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said unto him, Behold, you are old. <laughs> You're old. You, you don't understand this generation today yet. Yeah, I know the word of God is different for each generation, isn't it? You don't understand this generation. You don't know how to do it. So maybe I'll do it. <sighs> maybe I'll go up yonder and do it. <laughs> Behold, you're old, and your sons walk not in your ways. That was his fault. He taught them. Now make us a king to judge us like all the other nations in the world. (laughs) But the thing displeased. It was evil, by the way. That's displeased. The thing was evil. The thing displeased. It was evil with Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Samuel, Don't listen to them. Do not look at their faces, Jeremiah 1.8. Don't look at their faces. Don't let their verbal communicate tell you, their verbal communication tell you what you should preach and what you shouldn't preach and what they like and what they don't like. Don't do that. Don't listen to them. Hearken not to the voice of the people in all that they say unto you. But they have not rejected you. Look what it says. But they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Notice that. You don't get the right preaching and teaching. You don't get that. Someone other than Christ is going to reign over you. You're going to leave your first love in Revelations 2 and verse 4. 
By the way, by the way, it's the spiritual men, the spiritual fathers that lead us and, and, and equip us, all of us. And I was equipped and invested in uh, many men. All of them, all of them are in heaven. And many of them went there centuries before I was even born. <laughs> many of them. Now, back to this, Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report, our preaching and teaching? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he will grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. See, there's the rejection. We see it all, all through the scriptures. They constantly rejected Christ. They, they killed the prophets, stoned the prophets. They crucified Jesus Christ in John 19 and verse 15. They, they said, murder him, kill him. Like you can kill love and you can kill God and you can kill the accomplishment of his plan which is such nonsense. If you don't believe that, read 1 Corinthians 2, start at verse 8 and go right through to the end of the chapter. They never would have done that if they knew that that was what was God's plan and what he, what he was going to do and accomplish. Something that was, a, that was fixed in eternity in Revelation 13, 8 in Hebrews 4 and verse 3. What is he? No, there is no... He has no form of comeliness and when we see him, it's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised. Is that going to be part of your Christian walk? It's a badge of honor for the right things in Christ. He's despised and rejected of who? Men. What kind of men? Men, in, in John 3, 18 to 22, men that love darkness rather than light. Remember? Who's the king of darkness? What kind of kingdom does he have? See? He was what? What does it say here? He was despised and rejected of men who walked under the prince and power of the air, Satan, the God of this world, John 12, 32 and 14, 30, which Jesus Christ never had a thing to do with. You know, a Christian doesn't have a thing to do with the world system. Not a single thing, not one single thing. Jesus wasn't of the world in John 17 and verse 14, neither are we in John 17 and verse 16. And that's why it says in 1 John 2, 15, love not the world. Christians, Context, love not the world. He's not asking, he's commanding. He's commanding of the authority of his love, not the world. Listen, neither the things that are in the world, neither the things, doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter what it is. I didn't hear, I didn't know about this a long time ago, and and, I, and I'm not bringing these things up to accuse people. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan, Revelation 12. Who deceives the whole world? Satan. These things are being taught. Not that we're against, I'm not against an unsaved person or an untaught Christian. Not at all. If they're a Christian, they're part of my body, the same body that Christ is the head of. They're just functioning under the wrong head. And their body plays a price for it. It does. And I, but there was this thing. I heard this thing. I didn't know what it was. They called it the burning man, where all these people would go. All these people would go. And, it was, and the, you know what the whole thing about it was? The realization of self. Freedom of self. Anything and anybody can come. Anything goes. Just come. It would be music. It'd be all of that. Yeah, I know. You know what the Bible calls that? 
You see that in Genesis 4 and verse 16. Cain went out from the presence of God. Verse 17, he built a city. Watch what it is. All about art, all about music, and all about capital, cattle. The whole world system. And even have its religion. Every kind you can think of. Like the Unitarian Universalist. Anything goes. Many ways. Along with this bad teaching, healing, physical healing in the atonement. You can just throw that right in there. But that's brought out in the Burning Man and all that nonsense. Is brought out in Genesis 4, 16. It's just people living in known rebellion and, and being comfortable about it against God. <laughs> and because we're all there, we all are experience what people would say is love. God, help us. Back to here again. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we didn't esteem him. We esteemed him not. You see, all false teaching, all evil teaching, it's because the enemy doesn't want the esteem and value of Christ being functioning in you. He can't stop you from going to heaven. He'll do everything he can. He'll do everything, like with Burning Man and you name every other kind of foolish, evil, stupid thing that you could think of to keep people from being born again, saved. And then to keep them being saved, but in an unsaved experience. To false, evil, ridiculous, bad teaching. Men and never put time, two or three hours into the study of this, these things. And no one investigating them. Because some man who has a multitude of people in a beautiful building and has a degree says it's true. Well, I'll tell you what. Here's the word of God. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we, we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Who's God speaking to here? Nation of Israel. Now, when it says this, surely he, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. If Christ hadn't come at that particular time, could he have done that? No. Did he do it? His, his first whole 30 years and even beyond, 33 and a half years, did he? He most certainly did. But it had nothing to do with bearing their sins. Nothing to do with it at all. Now, but... We, we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He got what he deserved. But he was wounded for our transgressions. That's our salvation. Big difference here. And we're going to see the words again. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Who is our peace? In Ephesians 2 verse 14, it's upon him because in Colossians 1 and, and verse 20, we have peace through the blood of his cross, what he accomplished there. We have it clearly, very, very clearly. And then it goes on and says this, was upon him, and with his wounds, his bruises, the fact that he was tormented with this, we are healed. Now, here's where we need to get into this. This is where this bad teaching takes place. In Matthew, the eighth chapter, in Matthew, the eighth chapter, this is where it says this. This is where it was fulfilled. This is Jesus Christ. And please understand this. Listen to this. 
Let's understand the scriptures together, precisely. Let's understand them. Who was Jesus speaking to in Isaiah 53, 1 through 12? The Jews. Okay. The Jews. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have to do with kingdom teaching to the Jews and to the Jews alone, all through the scriptures. All through the scriptures. So where did Jesus fulfill the fact that he did bear people's sicknesses and diseases? Yes. Yes, he did. And here it is in Matthew, the eighth chapter. In, in verse 17. Now, you can read those verses 1 through all the way up to 17. Look at, look at what it says in here in verse 17. Now, who is he speaking to here? Even here, to the Jews. Were they to go to anyone else? Listen to this. This is Matthew 15. How do we understand the scriptures? Don't they make any sense? All this teaching from all this different teaching, there's so much confusion. Yeah, that's right. But is it of God in 1 Corinthians 14, 33? No. No, we have life and peace. No, life and peace. Let's look at this. In Matthew 15, Matthew 15 and verse 24. But, but he answered and said, I am not sent but, to, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Period. Kingdom age. Teaching them, which will be fulfilled ultimately. Ultimately, in his second advent, brought out in Revelation's 20th chapter with scores of other scriptures. Scores of them. Okay? But that's what he said. Look at verse 17. That it, in Matthew 8. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now, did Jesus do that? Did he fulfill that part of Isaiah? 52? Yes, he did. But that's where he did it. But when he did it, when he was healing their sicknesses and diseases, tell me, was he bearing their sins? Where was the only place he did that? It was on the cross. It was on the cross. That's where he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. When it says bruised there, you see, you take that word bruised there and bring it all the way back to Genesis 3 and verse 15. The seed of the promise, the seed of the woman, who was deceived? You think if Satan has the last say? No, God, right through that woman, will bring forth the seed of the woman, ultimately, which would be Jesus Christ, and the woman would be that 14-year-old peasant girl in Luke 1, verse 35. But the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Where did that take place? Calvary. But also it said his heel would be bruised. What does his heel speak of? His humanity. He was bruised. And that dealt with our sins. That is atonement, first and foremost. And if we don't understand atonement and what it goes into with all the types, we get deceived by all of this evil nonsense. He fulfilled the work of bearing sickness before his death on the cross. And any teaching that is, is any teaching that says otherwise, this scriptures prove to be false which claims that he also fulfilled healing sicknesses and disease and diseases on the cross. He did not. It was sin. 
because even countless, look at 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, many died, which meant they fall, fell asleep. The Bible makes it clear that the, the, that the believer, when they die, they go instantly with Christ in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, absent from the body, present with the Lord. The body goes down to the dust again in Genesis 3 and verse 19. The believer's body sleeps there, ready to get a new one. And the spirit and soul return to God who gave it. And we see that in Ecclesiastes 12, 6, 7, and 8 in those scriptures right there. Now, that word, that word there of him... <clears throat> bearing uh, the sins of sickness, that word here is bestazio. <clears throat> Couldn't even pronounce it the other day. <laughs> bestazio. And this is what that word means in the Greek because the Septuagint took that same word that we see in Isaiah 53 and verse 4 and 5, took that same word of healing the sicknesses and diseases, took that same word and who's doing that? Is that God, the Holy Spirit? Bringing it over into the Greek, and that's the Greek word, bestazo. That's what it is. And it means to lift here in Matthew 8, verse 17, to lift or carry, to endure. Never used of bearing sins. Never. Never one time. We see that same word, bearing, in Matthew 3, 11. Remember we mentioned the other day that John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to bear to bear, to hold his sandals. I'm not worthy to bear them, to hold them, to endure with them. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, bear one another's burdens. Does it say bear one another's sins there? Burdens. What would burden us? We live in these fragile clay jars in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. Yes, we have the treasure, but we have these fragile clay jars. Did Paul have alphamalia? Did he have eye problems? Was he epileptic? Do a study on him. Yes, he did. So you mean to tell me, the whole time he was saying, he was saying that in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 30, and 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, the whole time he was glorying in his infirmities, and that's the word, the Greek word for disease, by the way. He was glorying. So you mean he was living in sin and unsaved? Who, taught, who God used to teach us the greatest of truths. We know he was born again based upon Acts, the ninth chapter, and, and the sixth verse. We know that crystal clear based upon 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 3. And you put those two verses together, that guy was born again instantly. He still had many diseases. Now, again, that word, that's what that means, to bear. Even it says we're to bear one another's burdens, right? It says it again, and I want to read it here again. All through the scriptures. You see why we need precise teaching? See why we need it? Then we can fall into it. Try, try and figure it out ourselves. Have fun. Have fun. Just hope you have the years. Just hope so. But you can have it, and we can have it, right? Together. Just like this. This is Matthew, this is Romans 15, verse 1. We then that are strong, what makes us strong? Grace, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 10. Grace. We then that are strong ought to bear, bestadzo, <laughs> bestadzo, bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Think about that. We're to bear them. How? In prayer. How? If we can, whatever way we can help them, in grace and in peace and led by God, resting in his love, in any way we can, 
We, we help them. Because that's what prayer does, right? So again, here, that's what that word means. The Septuagint brought that over. Christ bore sicknesses in an entirely different sense from which he bore sins. Because remember, everything he bore in terms of physical sins, uh, uh, yeah, physical disease and sicknesses, was prior to the cross. Prior to the cross. The only thing that was dealt with were sins. He was propitiating the Father in Genesis 22 and and verse 8. And, and, And those that would receive him as their Savior, as their substitute, would be reconciled. That's brought out again in Leviticus, the first chapter, and in verse 4. And it's also brought out with the two lots in in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. And when we don't have a full preponderance of all these scriptures, we just fly by night, take a book, present it like it's true, listen to certain individuals. There's certain individuals I wouldn't recommend to a soul. To a soul. Because it would be sin if I did so. And I could do it ignorantly, couldn't I? But once I'm taught... And get right and, and preach the truth. Right? Now, healing in the atonement means this, if you believe it. If you believe that the physical sickness and diseases is equal to your sins being dealt with, if you do, and you believe that you possess your salvation based upon the fact that all your sicknesses are dealt with, and you're sick and you get sick, can you be sure you're saved? You have enough faith? You know what's taught? You don't have enough faith. I know there's one character who teaches that in a certain big, huge state. And he teaches it. And I, see, I saw him teaching it. And he had glasses on. Oh, I wanted to scream. Take them off! Take them off! You, you, come on! Huh? Can you believe this stuff? Take them off. Healing. No, Paul gloried in him. He gloried in his infirmities, and that word infirmity is asthenia. It means malady, sickness, disease, and Paul was glorying in them. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon him. That's right. Now, we do suffer sin. If you, if you drink enough alcohol, do enough drugs, look at enough pornography or do all these crazy things, if you do all of these things, will they affect your physical body? Absolutely will. Absolutely will. But if any of us, having done any of those things, they are dealt with. But if we live in them and we confess them, we're completely done with them. It's not who we are. The enemy may try to bring it up to you. Might, might, might try to bring up the guilt that was attached to those things that Christ dealt with. And God is not condemning you if you and I choose to live in them. There is no condemnation <coughs> in Christ in Romans 8.1. There is none. Only when we live in the flesh. In John 8 verse 4. That's where the enemy brings all the rehearsal and brings back all those lust patterns in the flesh again. That's why there has to be constant preaching and teaching to separate the two in Hebrews 4.12. So that now we take the sword of the Spirit and enter into spiritual battle with the enemy. Nope, that was cut off. It's not who I am. That was dealt with. 
It is not who I am. It has nothing to do with my image. That's brought out in the spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6, 10 to 17, specifically in the 17th verse, where we are able to take the sword of the Spirit. So as we begin to close this this morning, <clears throat> he did bear, he did bear our sins in his own body. That's what was the Holy Spirit was teaching Peter. And we will turn there and read that. And 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 2 and verse 24, it says this, who his own self bear our sins in his own body. The word bear here is anaphero, completely different from dealing with, with disease and sickness. A complete different word because something happened completely different than the healing of physical diseases. Do I believe that God can and and will heal? I do believe that he does. I also believe that he uses it. I also believe in the prayer in James 5, 15, 16. Yes, I do. And and I I do believe in that. I I do believe in the type there when the oil is used. It's God the Holy Spirit without any question about it. It's not some, some ritual taking oil and some man who's, you know, that he did, God uses that man with that oil to heal the individual. That was a lot of nonsense that I came out of. Okay? I do believe that. But I also believe he uses it in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 30. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. The Apostle Paul, look, look when he wrote his letter, he, as we said the other day, he didn't have an amanuensis, someone to record his writings like Tychicus and different ones. He had to write it himself, and he said, look what large letter I've written with my own hand, because he had eye problems. Was he then living in sin, unsaved, outside the will of God? Well, some will teach that. Or you're living in a lie. That brings in another whole evil false teaching called one-naturism. You don't have a sin nature anymore. It's just the enemy telling you these things and you're receiving them that are brought out by countless so-called respected men of God. One naturism. You no longer have a fleshly nature. Well, might as well ditch Romans 7. Might as well get rid of that one. By the way, the context, if you look at the preponderance of the context, they're born again. You'll have the others that say, well, at that point, you know, it's rhetorical, Paul. You know, yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, it's rhetorical. Yeah, no, it wasn't rhetorical with Paul. He felt it. What are you talking about? He went through it. He felt it. Or the person was unsaved at that point. Yeah, I know. Sure. It's all that false teaching. Fact of the matter is, the word is anaphero, and here it is in 2 Peter 2, verse 24, who, who his own self, who? That was between God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. Not some man getting up there telling you, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not healed, you know, you, you know, you don't have enough faith. Not faith. How about Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? You're saved by grace through faith, and even that not of yourselves, but as a gift of God, which is part of your salvation. Not the fact that you, the, the falseness of this teaching. How about, how about it? How about Romans 4, 7 and 8? Read those first eight verses in Romans 4. How about, how about Romans 11, 5 and 6? How about it? 
And then you'll have the others that will torture the scriptures in John 2, 17, uh, 20, and 26. Faith without works is dead being alone. While the works simply mean that Christ is able to work in you what he's accomplished by your complete dependence upon him. And they try to make it be that, you know, that uh, James is saying this and, and Paul's saying it differently. No, they were saying it differently. One was coming from works to prove their dependence in Christ and the other was coming from their dependence on Christ which proved the work that Christ was able to do in and through them. No confusion whatsoever. None whatsoever. Paul was glorying in them. Paul, and God will let us know if the sins that we're living in are a part of chastisement to bring us to himself so that we can confess them in 1 John 1, 9. And many times the sickness may continue. Many times it may not. But God does use it. Who does he humble? I mean, humility doesn't have anything to do with physical sickness. Do you think that any of us would even continue to walk in humility and receive the scriptures and receive teaching if God didn't humble us? Do you think that if, we, if God didn't cause sickness and, 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 and ailment in our physical bodies, you think we would be supermen? We wouldn't need God. Are you kidding me? we go to the burning man. Thank God that we can have proper teaching this morning. Thank God. I thank God. And I do it with you too. And I'm growing in this with you too. I'm growing and I have the privilege to do so, to, to, to preach it and teach it and the privilege to grow in these things. <clears throat> and this is why I think, I think in these times, oh boy, I mean, how, how many booklets can you put out there, you know? Because the, the truth of these, they're garnered from, from years, from a multitude of sources. And, and, and you know, so it's, it's either by the preaching and teaching of this it's either by that, you know, it's either by that or, and, and it's the booklets. And I think it's both, especially in these latter days. There's so few that know the, the truth and preach it properly. And that can be true with any of us. The instant we're in the flesh, it's no longer the love of Christ. It's no longer proper teaching. But thank God we can have this proper teaching. So, Father, we do thank you. Thank you for the, knowing the difference between Anafero and Bastidzo. Knowing the difference between those and what happened. What Christ did in his earthly ministry in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, specifically in the, in, in the synoptics. And then also, Father, what Christ accomplished on Calvary. Dealing with our sins. Yes. Dealing with them. And Father, we thank you so much for your love. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, that, uh, that Jesus Christ has paid for all of our sins, crucified our old nature in, in Romans 6, 1 through 6, crucified it. Couldn't change it. The wound was incurable in Jeremiah 30, verse 12, so he crucified it and paid for all of our sins. Leviticus 1, 4, again, in the two types, in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. Christ is the great antitype to all those types in the fulfillment of our sins. And, and thank you, Father. Whatever means it takes in your love to keep us close to you, you and your love for us will use it. Teach us, especially young people, to be still and know that you're God. To, to not be more interested in speaking, but more interested in receiving truth. 
Father. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.